Hey everyone, welcome back to the HP Core Learning Collaborative. You're listening to the second podcast in our series dedicated to stakeholder engagement in research. We're your hosts, Taylor and Sophia. We're student representatives at the Aging PCOR Learning Collaborative, a project that works with older adults, researchers, funders, and gerontology programs to share the benefits and the methods of patient-centered outcomes research, or PCOR. And the reason we're doing all this is to help researchers engage older adults in the design of research, not just as research subjects, but as research partners. And we're doing it to prepare older adults to be active partners in the research process. In our first episode, we spoke with Dr. Aaron McGaffigan and Dr. Mark Cohen to discuss the Aging Core Learning Collaborative Project. And today we wanted to speak with Dr. Rachel Lessam and Dr. Rebecca Berman, who are doing engaged research right now. Dr. Rachel Lessam and Dr. Rebecca Berman are research scientists at the Leonard Sheffield Research Institute at CJE Senior Life, which is an agency dedicated to helping older adults through the aging process and offering supportive services. Welcome, and thank you for taking the time to sit down with us today. Rebecca, would you mind telling us what is the Bureau of Sages? Yeah, well, I, I, I don't want to take credit for something that I didn't start. It really was our former research director, Amy. It was her brainchild. And it grew out of conversations that she had with a small group of older adults who were living in CJE's nursing home. She, when she first joined CJE, she really wanted to know what kinds of research the residents felt was needed. So then she got the idea to start this advisory group, the Bureau of Sages, when she saw some PCORI funding opportunities. So she asked for their input on the proposed project. Uh, after that, it took us about two years to fully develop this sustainable advisory group. The original Bureau of Sages was two groups, which are both still meeting. One was made up of people who live in a long-term care facility who happen to grow older, as one member has pointed out. A second was made up of older adults living at home who use something called the Virtual Senior Center, uh, which is an online program activity system, and we partnered with them to do the group. Yeah, so that's awesome. Let's um, zoom in a little bit on the people involved in that project, right? So who is a SAGE and what do they do? So to jump off from Rebecca's great introduction to uh, this, this group, a SAGE is an older person who contributes to research by using the expertise of their lived experience. So we've had a wide range of people um, on our bureaus, both the virtual one and the one that meets in the nursing home. And they draw on not just their experience of aging, but their life experience from before they came into the nursing home, before they were, were receiving long-term services and supports to really give that point of view that we as researchers can't understand. We are not at their stage of life. We are not receiving well, at least Rebecca and I are not receiving long-term services and supports. We are not living in a nursing home. So as researchers and the other researchers who come to present to the board, we can't possibly know what that's like. And so we can't appropriately design research without their expertise and their input. So I understand that researchers come before this Bureau of Sages, which is comprised of older adults, and these older adults then provide feedback on research. I'm curious, what would a researcher need to do to prepare for a meeting like this? Oh, that's a great question. So before they come to the meeting, we send them a variety of materials to help them. So researchers are always used to doing PowerPoints and talking to colleagues at conferences and sort of doing researcher speak. So the first thing we need to do is help them 
crystallize what their real question is and come up with a basic question that they're asking the sages input on. Not everything. So we give them a template for their own PowerPoint to focus really precisely on one question and to narrow it down and translate it into plain language that everyone can understand. So no acronyms, no fancy research ease kind of language. Then we also send them tips on communicating with older adults, as well as tips on communicating with people with various types of impairment. So some of our older adults may have slower mental processing. Some of them may be slower of speech or hard of hearing. And so the researchers really need to be prepared for that and to understand that they need to make space for the uh, sages to respond. In addition to that, everyone who comes to the Bureau of Sages, both sages, staff, and visiting researchers, create a bio sketch. And this isn't your typical bio sketch that you would do for a professional organization. This really evens the playing field. It asks who you are, what your background is, why you're interested in research, what your pastimes are, so that everyone at that meeting, researchers, staff, and sages combined are on an even playing field that really helps the sages have that confidence to give feedback and the researchers some of that humility to be able to accept feedback from people who have expertise, but not necessarily the expertise that's usually rewarded or recognized. So these researchers have to fill out that bio sketch as well. And we pass that out at the beginning of the meeting to start things off. Um, and then both before and afterwards, we send a survey to the researchers to say, what are you expecting to get out of this? And did you get out of this what you were expecting? So I know we've talked a bit now about how the Bureau of Sages really attempts to make these meetings accessible. But can we maybe dive in a little bit more to how they make the meetings meaningful? How do we get meaningful results from these interactions between researchers and older adults? Oh, I'd be happy to take that one. That's that's a fun question to address. Um, well, first, I'd like to give credit to Rachel. Really, it's this happens when the researchers are willing to engage with older adults on the same level and listen very carefully, and they have to be open to unexpected things so that they can receive useful feedback. Um, the researchers that have been able to do that really appreciate the role of the facilitators of the group to keep the discussion on task because, you know, part of the challenge is getting the older adults to talk about what you want them to talk about. Um, and they got examples from older adults then that did not necessarily come to mind when they were planning their research. Um, in general, they appreciated that older adults were able to give them feedback through discussions and hearing from them when the focus of their research or their research questions or their outcomes are actually seen as relevant or important or interesting. In fact, this kind of feedback alone is very valuable for researchers because it's much better to know that the question you're asking is actually relevant than to have to rework your question before moving far too far along in your, in your research. So being able to really listen to the personal experiences also gave researchers sort of an indirect insight into how to explain some of the aspects of their study. So if they hear some complaints about things related to surveys, they may find a better way of explaining surveys to their own research participants and their own study, or a better way of explaining the intervention that they're using um, based on what our boards would say. 
Um, some researchers discovered that a basic assumption that they had about an intervention for their study was not particularly well received by older adults in some of our groups. Um, for instance, uh, Researchers had assumed that an intervention related to life histories would be a very positive experience for older adults living in long-term care settings, but their discussion with the advisory board in that particular case led them to understand that not all older adults would find that intervention comfortable or acceptable, and it could actually have negative outcomes, which I think was a very valuable lesson for them. So I would just love to hear how the COVID-19 pandemic impacted that engagement process, especially given how the stakeholders you're working with are a particularly vulnerable group in the pandemic we're living through. Sure. Um, and I think that's absolutely true, especially people in nursing homes were very much affected by the social isolation that occurred during this time. Up until COVID, we met in person in the social hall. Um, and after you know, March of 2020, we really had to figure out how to reach people. We were lucky enough to divert some of our funds from Picori on our current project to be able to purchase iPads. And I think um, one of the myths about engagement is that older people don't know how to use technology. And some older people may not use technology, but um, already on our bureau, we had to people who regularly um, communicated with people through their laptops or their own tablets. And then we were able to bring tablets to the nursing home and have nursing home staff assist them in setting up. Um, of course, one of the difficulties was nursing home staff also were very much overburdened during this time. And so some of that was actually me coming, delivering the laptop turning it on and then going elsewhere to lead the meeting. Um, but once that, excuse me, not laptops, iPads. But once that iPad was in place, they were able to contribute. They were able to continue giving feedback. Of course, one of the other problems was a lot of research stopped. So we did have a few people who did Zoom in and were able to take part in the meetings. And luckily, um, prior to that point, prior to COVID happening, we had already normalized that happening. At the beginning of the Bureau of Sages, as Rebecca mentioned, there were two groups, a virtual group and a group that met in the long-term care facility. And we had already had a couple of joint meetings where the people in the virtual bureau met with people who were in the long-term care facility. So that had already happened. So they were already used to that. And we had also had scholars and researchers from around the country who had also Zoomed in. So this wasn't, it may have been new for them to have iPads in their room in order to participate in the meeting, but it was not new to them to have a meeting with people who weren't there in person. So I think that helped. And of course, the virtual bureau had already established this years before that one way of reaching people who are re receiving long-term services and supports in their own houses who don't normally leave their houses regularly can also have that technology and then have that reach. And I think, you know, as horrible as COVID was, that's one of the important lessons that we can support engagement, even if we're not in the same space. And we can support engagement and uh, technology use, even with older people who I think stereotypically we assume don't engage with technology. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, 
So, you know, Taylor and I are here hosting this podcast because we are aspiring researchers who are really interested and committed to engagement. So I'd love to, to ask a strategy question of you. You know, I understand that you're both connected to the nursing facility where the Bureau was established. So as a student, if I wanted to engage older adults in a long-term care setting, how could I do that? Um, I can take that. And then, Rachel, if you wanted to jump in at some point, that's fine. Um, I'll be frank. It could be very hard to engage older adults on your own in any kind of long-term setting. Um, I think if you did get your foot in the door, you would have to clearly explain what it is you're doing. Um, they're likely to resist you in a nursing home in particular because they may assume you want to recruit participants for your study. So you have to be explicit that that is not what you are doing. Um, also, older adults are likely to go, what? Why should I care? The words research and researchers will likely intimidate them at worst and not interest them at best. It can sound boring. I think the best solution is to work with a researcher or professional who already has established trusting relationships with an organization that you're interested in maybe engaging some of the people they serve. So again, crafting that clear message. I think another good example of a clear message would be, I'm not here to ask people to be in a focus group. I'm not here to ask older adults to complete a survey. I want to ask them to represent other people's voice giving me feedback on how I should do that survey so that I don't do something inappropriate. I would also add to that, Rebecca, um, making sure that you're letting the facility know what they gain from that experience. I think Rebecca was right on with, um, you know, finding that facility that's already person-centered and doing person-centered care and helping them understand that this goes along with their mission and what their residents get out of it. And I think it also goes with um, the idea that we respect people's time. And so, you know, what, how are you going to honor that time commitment? Are you going to provide food during the meetings? Are you going to give people a small stipend? What can the facility get out of that? And then another thing I think is also find the person who's in tune with the residents. One of the people who was really instrumental in getting some of our sages involved in the Bureau was the art therapist or one of the activities director because they trusted her. And she said, I really think you would enjoy this activity. And so they gave it a shot. And so that's the other thing is that you are only, it's going to take you a while to build that relationship, but you can also build relationships with staff and they can also help you find the people who might benefit the most from being a part of it and help you most as being members of the board. Thank you. That's really helpful. Very concrete. I feel like I can explore those strategies. I love, I love how much reciprocity is a part of that. I have a professor who always says, don't ask farmers questions unless you have your work boots on. And that's really what that reminds me of. So <laughs> that is awesome to hear. And thank you so much, Dr. A lot of our groups, one of our groups had farmers in it and they yeah. are not interested in research. So you had to figure out how else to talk about it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I really appreciate those concrete strategies and just everything you offered for us today. Thank you for sitting down and speaking with us. 
And to our listeners, if you are interested in learning more about the Bureau of Stages, you can head to www.cje.net backslash Bureau of Stages. And stay tuned to the Aging People Are Learning Collaborative for more podcasts like this one, as well as short videos. You can also be an active participant in this project by joining our Aging Research Network. The Aging Research Network is an online community that brings together older adults, researchers, caregivers, and others to learn about stakeholder engagement and research. By becoming a new member, you can talk about your passions, ask questions about research, find resources, and connect with others. To find the Aging Research Network, type agingresearch.mn.co into your search bar. That's agingresearch.mn.co. This podcast series is part of our Aging Core Learning Collaborative, a project funded by a Eugene Washington PCORI Engagement Award.